God's word. Good morning, church. Um, before we read God's word, let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that your word is so accessible to us, and we pray that you help us understand and apply what we learn today. Amen. Today's reading comes from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet? Who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. All right. <clears throat> Good morning, church. The Lord be with you as you soldier on this second week of lockdown. Again, can I encourage you to look out for one another and be ready to provide practical help for those who need it. And may I also encourage you with these words from James. James tells us to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, for we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So the lockdown is a kind of trial to test our faith. And some of us are continuing to suffer financial loss, while others may be coping with loneliness and with mental health issues. 
So I pray that whatever trials you are presently going through, you will keep putting your trust in the Lord and remain strong in the Lord. And the Lord willing, we can look forward to in-person meeting and the celebration of the Holy Communion next Sunday. So let's pray that God will uh, allow the authorities to lift restrictions so that we can come together again in person next Sunday. <clears throat> now at our midweek prayer meeting, uh, we choose a country in the world to pray for. And for the past few months, we have been taking turns to pray for country in and around Asia. And after Asia, we will pray for countries in Africa. Now, if you were to look at a map of North Africa, one thing that strikes you about the whole stretch of northern half of Africa is that all the countries from the Red Sea to the Atlantic Ocean, all the countries are Muslim dominated, all except Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia, by the providential grace of God, managed to remain Christian when the rest of North Africa fell to Islam after the seventh century. Today, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church is the main denomination in Ethiopia, although evangelical Christianity is making strong inroads into the country. Now, we thank God that the church in Ethiopia has survived for 2,000 years. Now, historians date the introduction of Christianity into Ethiopia in the fourth century. Now, although the boundaries of Ethiopia might have changed, according to scripture, the gospel was first introduced into Ethiopia when Philip the evangelist converted a high official of the Ethiopian court in the first century. And the account of the conversion of this Ethiopian official is what we are going to learn this morning. But more than that, we will also learn of the evangelistic ministry of Philip and apply some lessons to our situation today. <clears throat> now, if you have your Bible with you, please turn to the second half of chapter eight of the book of Acts as we continue with our study from last week. Now, last Sunday, we learned that Philip fled the persecution in Jerusalem and went to, the, to a city in Samaria. And there he preached the gospel, and many people believed in Jesus and were baptized. And the people also saw Philip casting demons out of many, and great joy came to the city. And this tells us that evangelism is a joyful event a joyful event in which the demonic forces are defeated by the power of the gospel and people are set free from their bondage in the kingdom of this world and transferred into the kingdom of God, to the glory of God. And we also learned about Simon, the ex-magician who was converted, but he brought corruption into the church as, as he sought to buy the gift of God with his money. And this again tells us that evangelism may bring in false converts and who then bring in various kinds of corruption into the church. 
And that is why church leaders and pastors must always be discerning, must always be vigilant to exclude from church ministry those whose hearts are not right with God. And we must not allow those whose heart is filled with selfish ambition to be in the ministry, for they will use ministry to seek power and wealth for themselves and bring disrepute to the gospel. So we must always appoint those who are full of the Holy Spirit to be in ministry. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we will seek to do God's will rather than our own will. And this is what we see in Philip. And we were told, uh, we are told in, in past chapter that Philip was full of the Spirit. And that's what we see him showing that kind of fullness of the Spirit in the way he ministered uh, his uh, he. he he engaged in his ministry. Now, Philip is having a big success in his evangelistic ministry in Samaria. And there is no reason to leave Samaria. But when God calls him to leave Samaria and go elsewhere, he obeys the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we read this in verse 20, uh, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, why would God instruct Philip to go to this road? Well, we will soon find out, but Philip has no idea. But being full of the Spirit, he follows the prompting of the Spirit. And as Philip travels down the desert road, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. And this Ethiopian happens to be a treasurer to the queen of the Ethiopians. And he travels in style in an enclosed chariot like that of a caravan accompanied by an entourage. And a eunuch has just gone to Jerusalem to worship. And this tells us that he is a follower of Judaism. At some point in the past, his ancestors had embraced the teachings of Judaism. And this is what some present-day Ethiopian Christians pride themselves with. They claim that before Christianity, they had a thousand-year history of Judaism, which supposedly began from the day of Solomon, when the Queen of Sheba brought back the faith to the Ethiopians. And so the eunuch, being a follower of Judaism, has gone up to Jerusalem for a religious function. And now he is on his way back to Ethiopia. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he's reading it out loud. And that was how the ancient people read. They read loudly. The Holy Spirit now tells Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Now the unit's chariot is probably not traveling fast. Otherwise, Philip would not have been able to keep up with the chariot. And as Philip runs up to the chariot, he hears the Ethiopian reading. And Philip calls out to him, asking him, Do you understand what you are reading? 
Now the Ethiopian is honest about his ignorance. He answers Philip, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? Now this shows that the Ethiopian is eager to learn. <clears throat> and he is humble enough to ask a stranger for help. And he senses that Philip is able to teach him. So he invites Philip to sit with him and explain the meaning of the text he is reading. And we are given a segment of the text in verses 20, uh, 32 to 33. Look at 32 and 33 and listen to it as I read it. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, does this text sound familiar to you? It is from the Old Testament, the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 53. And the eunuch would have read the preceding verses that says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and he beheld him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. Now we are all familiar with these words in Isaiah chapter 53. These words describe the Messiah as the suffering servant. But no one in Judaism would have expected the Messiah to be a suffering servant. You see, the Jewish people were expecting a triumphant and victorious Messiah, not a Messiah who would die for the sins of many people. But Jesus had applied Isaiah chapter 53 to himself when he told his disciples that the Son of Man, referring to himself, that the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Philip knows that Isaiah was referring to Jesus, the Messiah. And so when the eunuch asked whether the author is talking about himself or someone else, Philip tells him, that Isaiah was speaking about Jesus, the Messiah. And using the same passage, Philip tells the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. And this is the beautiful thing about the Old Testament. Every book of the Old Testament points to Jesus. You see, <clears throat> the Old Testament is not just a record of the history of Israel. It is not just about Abraham or Moses or King David. It is not just about the prophets or the Babylonian exile or the return from the exile. 
No, the Old Testament is more than all this. In its essence, the Old Testament is about God's promises to all mankind. That God promised to forgive the sins of sinners and eventually restore the brokenness and corruption in this world. And all these promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the one Isaiah was talking about. And writing about 700 years before the time of Jesus, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would bear the sins of the world. And by his death, the Messiah would suffer the punishment for human sin. But the Messiah would not remain dead. He would rise again, and by his resurrection, he will save his people from God's judgment. And that's what Philip explained to the eunuch. And when he hears the good news that Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior, he believes. He believes. The unit believes not because his intellectual curiosity about the identity of the person in Isaiah chapter 53 has been satisfied. No, he believes because he finally has the answer to the problem of sin in his life. And this must be the same reason you and I believe. Now, some people become Christians because they believe that the Bible has the best moral teachings. Others become Christians because they see Christianity as the best philosophy to explain all that is happening in this world. Now, friends, if you have become a Christian because you want to be a moral person, you may not be a true Christian. Or if you have embraced the Christian worldview, you may not have been truly converted. And the reason is this, because true Christian conversion must follow a conviction of sin. There must be this realization that we are sinners against the Holy God and that we deserve judgment. And there must be this realization that we cannot save ourselves from this judgment. But God in his mercy has saved us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And to receive God's gift of salvation, we need to repent of our sins. And we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. To repent of our sins means that we are truly sorry for our rebellion against God, not living according to what he commands us to live. And we want to turn away from that kind of rebellious mindset and rebellious behavior against God and instead turn toward God uh, to please him in all that we do as we obey his commands. This is what repentance in repentance involves. There must be a change in our allegiance, a transferring of our allegiance from idols to the living God. 
What about putting our faith in Jesus Christ? To put our faith in Jesus Christ is to trust that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And we believe that only Jesus can save us from God's judgment and give us the gift of eternal life. And we are therefore to live our lives in union with Christ, meaning we live our lives to imitate Christ in his love for God and in his love for people. In other words, we are to be totally identified with Christ. Our identity is now in Christ Jesus. So repentance and faith in Jesus Christ are the initiating steps into Christianity, into a right relationship with God. And these steps are to be sealed, so to speak, with a sign, the sign of baptism. And so Philip would have explained all these steps and their significance to the Ethiopian. And so when they approach an oasis, the Ethiopian indicates his desire to be baptized. He stops the chariot and he and Philip go down into the water and Philip baptizes him. The Philip immerse the Ethiopian in the water it seems like it. And this incident has been used by some Christians to prove that the mode of water baptism is one of total immersion. They argue that the words went down into the water in verse 38 suggest that the Ethiopian was submerged. Now, if this were the case, then Philip would also be submerged because he and the Ethiopian went down into the water together. And we cannot imagine the baptizer and the one baptized immersing in the water. So going into the water does not necessarily mean that that is total immersion. Now, I think a more likely scenario for the mode of baptism is this. And this is borne out by the earliest paintings of this event. Well, Philip and the Ethiopian went down into the water up to the waist. And Philip then poured water over the Ethiopian. And that is how um, the mode um, of baptism was depicted. Now, in any case, baptism is not about the amount of water used. It does not matter if one is immersed or if, one, if water is poured on one's head. The important thing in, in baptism is the meaning behind the sign. Now, water baptism signifies the two blessings we receive at conversion. The two blessings that Peter told the crowd about at Pentecost. You may remember that about 3,000 uh, people were converted um, at Pentecost. And Peter 
uh, told them to be to repent and be baptized to receive the two blessings one baptism signifies that our sins have been washed away god has forgiven our sins and and god remembers our sins no more two baptism signifies that we have received the gift of the holy spirit in full measure in in, in other words we have, we are we have been baptized with the holy spirit and water baptism signifies that so as a result water baptism tells us that we belong to jesus and that we belong to his church and so we are to take baptism seriously and baptism is to follow the profession of faith it is an act of obedience of faith like what uh, the ethiopian did and i therefore want to urge any one of you if you have professed to be a follower of christ i want to encourage you to seek water baptism if you have not already done so now when philip and the ethiopian came out of the water the spirit of the lord suddenly takes philip away and the ethiopian goes on his way back to ethiopia rejoicing rejoicing and this is another piece of evidence of true faith in jesus christ now true faith in jesus christ will always result in joy there is an inner joy that does not depend on our circumstances and nothing can take away that joy neither trouble nor persecution neither sickness nor poverty the reason for this joy is because we are in Christ and when we are in Christ we no longer live under the cloud of condemnation instead we are known by god and deeply loved by him and nothing can separate us from god's love that is expressed in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus so brothers and sisters be joyful in your salvation and if you are going through a bad uh, uh, patch in life pray that the lord will restore to you the joy of this salvation and we can have this joy of salvation because nothing can snatch us away from god's love for us remember that samaria rejoiced when salvation came to many in the city and the ethiopian rejoiced as he headed home and we can imagine what he did when he arrived home he would have shared the gospel with his queen his family and his friends and that's what church tradition tells us church tradition tells us that the second century church theologian by the name of irenaeus he credited this utopian uh, this eunuch as the first missionary to the ethiopians this may well be true this tradition may well be true because in his joy he is unlikely to have kept the good news of jesus to himself as for philip he suddenly disappears from the presence of the ethiopian and the next thing we are told is that he is in azotus 
which is about 30 kilometers north of Gaza. Now, Philip's disappearance may suggest a miraculous kind of teleporting from the desert road to the city of Azotus. Now, however, commentators think that there is no necessity to read a miracle into Philip's departure. Philip simply made a quick departure from the Ethiopian and arrived at Azotus, where he continued preaching the gospel. And, it, and he would travel further north to Caesarea. And Caesarea was where Philip would make his home, as the later chapter of Acts will tell us. And as we conclude, there is one more lesson we can learn from the ministry of Philip. God used Philip in the mass evangelism of the Samaritans through the preaching of the gospel. God also used Philip in the personal evangelism of the Ethiopian through the explanation of a Bible text. Now, most of us will not be involved in the preaching of the gospel to a crowd, but all of us will have opportunities for personal evangelism. Like Philip, all of us can read and explain the Bible to another person. So besides our family members, our work colleagues and our friends, uh, there are foreign students in Melbourne who have never heard the gospel. And there are new immigrants to Australia from countries where it would be a crime to convert to Christianity. And so we can befriend these people and invite them to read the Bible with us. A one-to-one -one reading of scripture is the best way to introduce people to Jesus and his gospel. And if you are not confident of leading a one-to-one -one Bible reading, we can teach you. And there are also online courses to help you. And so the pandemic need not distract us from our focus on evangelism. We can use the lockdown time to equip ourselves with skills to share Jesus with people. And so in this way, the gospel will continue to flourish and expand, even as our society becomes more hostile to Christianity. You see, nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of all who will believe. And those who believe will be joyful. And in their joy, they in turn will share the good news with others. And this is how the gospel will keep expanding until Jesus comes again. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful testimony of Philip as the Holy Spirit enabled him to engage in personal evangelism, explaining the text of your word in Isaiah to the Ethiopian. We are grateful that in our own lives, someone has explained scripture to us. And may we always be passionate about studying your word and grant us the joyful opportunities to share with others, both the Old and the New Testament, showing them how all scripture leads to the proclamation of Jesus 
as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Fill us with your spirit, that we will be full of compassion for people, seeing them as sinners in need of